Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, once again, the late show Monday night. Um, I'm still in the middle of my summer, um, sort of summer. And yeah, I thought, well, why not do a show on eco schools um, or on the idea of trying to create a better environment, better climate, better better everything really in within school communities. Um, and this this show really was inspired by a tweet that I saw by somebody called Miss C. I ma- massive apologies because I don't know her first name. Um, I certainly like her Twitter account. Um, and she tweeted the other day about teachers laminating and basically the amount of wastage. I'll, I'll read the tweet that she did actually. She said, our world is literally burning and teachers are still laminating for displays. They're buying cheap plastic. Um, they're being generally wasteful for the sake of aesthetic. I always say to children that they can make a difference, that instead of people thinking that they can't change. And then she goes on to talk about the different things that happen in schools. So she says, um, stop laminating. It really is so unnecessary, especially just to make your display look neat. Cut back on plastic, especially cheap plastic that isn't going to last very long. Um, uh, She carries on. We can help build a generation who take way better care of the earth than we have but we can't do that if we keep making choices that don't align with those lessons nobody is perfect but small changes can help and then you know some of the replies were quite interesting you know you had some people who said i couldn't agree with you more um stop with the instagram worthy classrooms it makes zero difference to learning but then we had other people saying well actually you know what i quite enjoy um doing my displays and laminating and so on And Louise replied, I really don't think teachers laminating makes a difference. The problem is when the government put it down to us to recycle more, um, when large companies are wasting and polluting and won't stop. And Missy said, well, that's not what she was saying. She was saying that every individual can still make a difference. So there was like a collection of those responses, basically. Most people agreeing with Missy, but some sort of saying, well, you know, this isn't actually going to make that much of a difference others saying we only laminate things that we intend to use over and over again um so actually there was um sort of general agreement but but as i say there was a few people saying well what is sort of being eco-friendly in schools what does that actually mean is it is it what miss c says or is it a case of actually um it's bigger things that that countries are doing and organizations are doing that are going to make 
the real difference. So that's something I want to talk about a little bit um, tonight with a little bit of luck. Um, now, I know Sandra has just joined already and I've got Mrs. Turner and I've got Harry who will hopefully be joining as well um, tonight. So, Sandra, we'll just check that you're there first of all if you want to unmute yourself. There we go. Hi there. Hi, Tom. Good evening. Hello. How are you doing? Are you okay? <laughs> yes, yes, like yourself. I'm still on my summer holidays, so I'm just sort of um, enjoying time at home with the kids at the moment. Fantastic. Um, well, thanks very much for coming on Teachers Talk Radio tonight. And I messaged you because um, I think a few months ago you posted that, or it was your school or you or whoever, had achieved like the Eco Schools Award or, or part of that process. Is that right? Yes, um, I'm the head of geography at Julidia Integrated College in Carrickfergus, Northern Ireland. Yeah. We are the ambassador eco school for Northern Ireland. Wow. Um, we've just been given our seventh green flag. Um, so we, um, we, we're very proud of our whole school environmental education approach. And um, we're, I'm delighted to be here to share with you what we do. That's amazing. Well, listen, I mean, I, I thought this would be the perfect start then, Sandra. Um, because I just, I, you probably heard me read out the tweet um, that I sort of inspired me to do this show from Miss C, who, who said, "Our world is literally burning, and teachers are still laminating the displays, buying cheap plastic, and so on." What did you think of that tweet? Did you agree with that? And is it something that you've looked at in your school? Well, I try to be unjudgmental because I know that as an educator myself, we're all doing the best we can for the young people in front of us. So if somebody does something which perhaps I would choose not to do, I, I try not to be judgmental about that. I'd rather try and educate that person. Um, so my response to that would be that there's definitely other ways of decorating our rooms. But um, certainly I would... Um, hope that the person who started the tweet off originally might maybe consider other things in the future now that perhaps they've been more educated. Mm. Um, certainly that's something I come across, not just in the classroom um, and the staff room. Um, sometimes we can always all do better. And it's about yeah. trying to make sure that everybody's um, doing the best they can do without making somebody feel bad. Um, mm. Because often never, um, there's, the, you know, almost trying to shame somebody um, and you know you've left the lights on or you've done something that's not going to encourage the person the next time we want everybody to be going mm. on the journey together and supporting mm. each other um, along yeah, our eco be, journey absolutely you can't you can't be perfect can you really but I, I did think that there was a valid point within that in terms of the amount of wastage in schools that's sort of why I wanted to do this show in terms of you know, there's a lot of talk about saving the environment, but does that tally up with the way we do things in schools? Now, I know you've won this Eco Award, so I wanted to know what it is you've been doing in your school to, you know, to save mm -hmm. the planet. Yes, Absolutely. Um, well, we have a whole school approach. So it's um, it, I am the head of geography, but every single subject within the school has a role to play. Um, so every year in September, we audit um, the entire school to see what everybody across the school is doing. And we, we have some really beautiful stuff going on across the school in terms of um, 
trying to instill social responsibility within our young people, but also at the same time, making sure that young people um, really appreciate and value the natural environment um, around them. Um, we have found that um, a lot of our work perhaps begins with trying to make sure that the young people appreciate and see the natural environment because once they see it and they appreciate and come to value it, they want to protect it. So we have to give them something that they want to protect to begin with. And once we have done that, we have then, you know, um, every single subject across the school has um, at least one or two activities every single year, whether it's cycling, upcycling, um, whether it's trying to encourage students to um, reduce reuse, um, whether it's trying to um, instill a stewardship and environmentalism. But we also have across the school um, a zero waste scheme, which I think feeds in directly to that tweet. We, um, as a school, um, work very closely with local waste management companies and actually um, have a zero waste landfill policy in the school that we and have. What does that mean? In, what, what does that mean in practice then? Well, essentially, none of our waste from school goes to landfill. Um, we um, reduce what we waste, we reuse what we can, and then we recycle. So that comes from literally separating the waste out. Um, it comes from yeah. regular bin audits and working closely with our waste managers so that what waste we do produce is then managed effectively. And it's something we've worked really hard at a systems level to ensure that um, is maintained over a long period of time. And one of the things I really love about that scheme is that it isn't actually managed by me. It's managed by the students. The students work with the local management company. The students build up those connections over um, time. And we have an eco team where people join and um, perhaps they're in the team for seven years of their school life. And they get to build up these connections and really, really positive life skills come out of this, of being able to negotiate and work with businesses for very real environmental outcomes. And it's something which is really fantastic to see in action. Um, alongside that, we also have a whole school eco-mentor scheme. The eco-mentors work um, from within our school, but also within the local community and with our neighbouring schools to mentor younger students in primary school who have yet to come to our school and to mentor them in environmental practice. So the time they come to um, our school, they already have that um, established desire to try and protect their local environment. Um, but, and it's something that builds up skills within our sick formers as well, which helps them whenever they're then you know, applying for their UCAS, et cetera, for their next stages. So we're trying to be as a holistic an approach as possible to environmental education throughout the school, while also building skills within the students that create lifelong um, sustainable society um, within our community. Are you personally passionate passionate about this, um, Sandra? Is it something that sort of yes. is personal to you? Is it, do you feel like within a school you almost need someone like you to drive it or do you think it can just be somebody who wants to do something? Or do you think it really needs someone who's really passionate behind it? 
Well, I think everybody has a role to play. Um, I, I am very passionate. I'm what I would describe as being unapologetically passionate um, about my environmentalism um, because I think that that makes me a very visible environmental leader um, within my school and my school's wider community. But I don't feel everybody need, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm non-judgmental. Um, everybody doing anything is a step in the right direction. And that's something which I try to instill in the wider community. Um, yeah. It's about little actions every day to try and support each other. And if we all do something different, it's that old 1% better, isn't it? If we can all yeah. be 1% better moving forward, then that together is, is, is progression. Um, so that's what um, I say. I'm a visible leader. And I'm unapologetic about that. Um, and I think that that helps me um, have the confidence to um, lead within the school I'm in and the students to see somebody that they can um, hopefully um, glean some of that passion from. But mm. at the same time, I don't want anyone to feel as if, oh, I, I, I'm not doing it as well as that, because that's not what it's about. It's about everybody working together and everybody um, along that journey together to be better. Um, Sandra, the, the sort of 10 things on uh, for eco schools that they talk about are biodiversity, energy, mm -hmm. global citizenship, healthy living, litter, uh, marine, school grounds, transport, waste and water. I wonder, just zooming in a little bit on the school grounds mm -hmm. section, because that, that one interests me quite a bit, actually, is the school yeah. grounds one. Um, I'm just wondering, like, on, on the website here, it says talks about improving the school grounds. Um uh, for for every you know it talks about staff students plants insects and animals um so mm -hmm. how have you done that is that something you've done yes and no i'm actually in northern ireland so uh, we have a different well you must have insects of... in northern ireland surely Sandra. well yes yeah, so we we would um our, our key areas are global perspectives um healthy living litter marine environments outdoor transport waste, oh so you've water. got different you've got different yes, we criteria have different focus. Right. yes okay. so i'm i'm going to look particularly you know so particularly the biodiversity around our school we have worked hard to try and increase biodiversity on the school grounds um you know the usual the plants the wee bird boxes but what we do is we've also instilled night um night cameras with motion sensors oh wow really so that the kids can see um in the camera you know the camera playback in the classroom so they can see the birds and they can see badgers as well on yeah. our school grounds at night and that really again just gives them that oh wow i'm not the only person using this space and yeah, that um, yeah. really captures our imagination. Is that um, is that sort of like a recorded footage of it, or is that? Yes. Uh -huh. So we 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 can record the footage. We have a really fantastic um, ICT technician, and he's worked with us to um, get these cameras in, and he'll record it. And then whenever something happens, he can send us the video then, and we can show it then in the class to the kids. And, and it really does. You're like, oh gosh, you know, there there's where I eat my lunch. And there's a badger coming through, and they can is, see. Is the it quite boxes. a rural? Is it a rural area you're in, or is it town city? We, we are on the in the um, outskirts of Carrick Fergus, which is a very um, largest town, just about ten miles outside Belfast. Yeah. So we are um, sort of in the rural urban hinterland almost, but um, we um, we back onto an area with a forest on it. 
So it's um because it I was going to say here here in Salford, um, it'd yeah. probably be like you know night comes for little ants wandering around, and we'd yeah. have to send them the the. I'm sort of in jest here, Sandra, but it is amazing that you've got that sort of you know presumably you've got other things apart from badges, maybe foxes oh, yes. or whatever. All sorts, but it's um, but it's about looking just where you are and working with the environment you've got. Um, you know, the stu- I, in my previous school that I worked in, I was in South of Wales working, and now I'm going back about seventeen years. And again, it was a very different environment again. So we were right to, uh, on the edge of a sand dune system there. Yeah. So it's about just working with what you've got, so that the students appreciate the value of the environment that they live in every day. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I'd never thought of that, the, the whole videoing, you know, the environment. And mm. then that, that must be pretty powerful for the kids. I would it guess. is. And yeah, it's, as I say, you know, the kids can see, you know, where they're eating their lunch and yeah. they see that space being used differently. And that really brings home to them the importance then of their actions within that space. And um, it's, you know, it is really powerful to see just that penny drop with them. And then that then impacts then their desire to want to um, make positive change in, in, yeah. in our environment. I'm going to come back to you in a second, um, mm-hmm. Sandra. Um, I've got Mrs. Turner here now. So we'll just check that Mrs. Turner can hear me. OK, if you want to unmute yourself in the bottom left. Hello. Hello. Good hi, evening. Hi. Sandra, your school sounds amazing, by the way. I want to. Oh, thank you. I I love it there. (laughs) Well, you're very welcome anytime. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. But presumably, Sandra, to get, um, you know, you said you you become the ambassador school or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, To be able to do that, you must you must stand out. I would think you've got to be the creme de la creme. Well, I would say there's a lot of fantastic schools doing really amazing stuff. And I think everybody is making a really positive impact in the best way we can. And I think it's really um, important that we recognise that everybody, um, all the teachers that are working with um, environmental education are doing really wonderful things every day in every school, working with the, um, the, the students that they've got. So, yes, I think we're all doing our best every day. Yeah. Um- Mrs. Turner, you're a head. Sorry, I'm not going to call you Mrs. Turner. That sounds ridiculous. What's your first name? I don't even know your first name. Right, Anna. I'm going to call you Anna. I sound like I'm, um, yeah, going mad here. (laughs) Um, So you're a head teacher. I just want to know from a leadership perspective and just from just from like, because the reason I asked you on, you sort of commented on the um, tweet that I was talking about earlier on um, before you got here um, that was talking about like the wastage. In, in schools like um like waste waste in you know the amount of sort of plastic and laminating and all that that goes on that we waste um just wondering like what your thoughts were on that tweet and what you sort of do in your school when it comes to climate and environment yeah so um we we do have an eco committee i don't lead it but i am very passionate about yeah. about you know being you know, sensible, I think the word is, and just like Sandra said, really, making better choices. Um, but I know when I first saw the tweet, a lot of people, you know, said, oh, it's easy, just ban laminating. But it's not about just banning mm. the laminating or banning the use of plastics. 
I think, yeah. as Sandra touched upon, it's more about everyone working together to make those small changes that eventually will educate everybody. And it's not just about educating the children so that they become good citizens and they're looking after the environment, but actually it's, it's making sure that the staff have the understanding why we don't do certain things. Um, and how do you do that? <laughs> well, this is the difficulty. And there were lots of, you know, really lovely people that gave me lots of tips and advice about it. Um, you know, I've suggested to many of my teachers, you know, we come into the we came to the end of the, the year. They're starting to go into school now and get the classrooms ready. And I've suggested to lots of them, yeah. you know, that, that perhaps they don't need to laminate. Um, perhaps, you know, they could try something else. Um, I've, you know, had we've had quite a, a large spike in pupil numbers. We're um, in a city school yeah. in Cardiff. We do have quite large yeah. grounds, um, but, you know, we are in an inner city school. We're an urban buzz site, so that means, you know, we we collect um, data on pollinators and try and increase those numbers. Oh, really? Yeah, we do. We've been an urban buzz site for a number of years now, so we've got... A... Well, so what does that mean, sorry, um, in, in essence? So in Cardiff, there's 12 urban buzz sites, um, and basically at different points in the year, the children um, will go out with the eco-leads and they will select a piece of grounds um whether it's you know on the grass or in the in the playground wherever it is they want to do and they just count how many pollinators visit that that part of the grounds and then they send off the data which is really really interesting um and then we do things to try and increase yeah. the amount of pollinators that come into our school site um so yeah it's, it's quite a fun one that one wow um well, that's great um, I I wanted to ask you about, um, I was going to ask you, and then maybe I'll also ask Sandra as well, um, about litter. Because I'm guessing, like, for you, in a city school in Cardiff, yeah. like, like, do you think that there's a problem with, um, like, I've read something actually on social media the other week, because I know, like, loads of kids are, are, you know, uber sort of responsible, and I think it has improved. But, you know, I remember when I was in school, and I remember it used to, like, I'd be walking home with, with lads from school and they just chuck they, you know they'd have a packet of crisps they just chuck the crisp packet anywhere or they'd have like you know a can of coke and they just chuck the can anywhere and my parents had been like sort of instilled into me you you know you cannot litter in it they'd go in a rage if there was anyone sort of littering or whatever um which was sort of instilled into me but i wondered like a what is the you know is there a problem there with sort of children thinking littering is okay and b what are you doing about it and is you know have you come up with anything that helps do you know i actually think i don't think the children are the problem with littering actually no. um our no. eco council and we've actually got we've actually got three autistic bases on site we're a mainstream school but we've got three autism yeah. bases we've got 36 autistic children um and they quite they okay. quite regularly join the eco council and go on litter picks and things and the children are actually more often than they're not really really shocked about the amount of littering that happens in the community so around the school yeah. um so they they do that yeah. regularly and it's i think the biggest problem that they found at the moment is um e-cigarettes and vapes they just mm. seem to be thrown everywhere and it's we're a primary school we don't have a problem with children vaping not that i'm aware of i think i would have known by now if we did um, I know that some secondary schools in the area do have a bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the littering around the community, um, we're in the community of Lanedin, which is North Cardiff, um, 
is has the it's changed so it used to be you know your cans your bottles your your crisp packets yeah. it's not now it more it's usually actually dog poo bags that have just been thrown mm. um or or yeah. vapes in fact my eco committee did a um they they went to cardiff museum and and did a show about dog poo <laughs> basically oh, really? they themselves t-shirts called themselves the poo patrol um and <laughs> yeah. they actually did a little show at cardiff museum about you know oh, the nice. impact of of throwing your dog poo bags it's great that they that people are picking it up but the impact of throwing it um in the community has on you know on the environment which is quite interesting i mean i mean to be fair um you know i think i think primary age kids do tend to be quite like switched on maybe it's like the teenage mm-hmm. thing once they get to like 13 14 15 some of them can sort of turn into monsters can't they maybe eco monsters whereas some can go sort of eco warrior you know they sort of bridge out in a triangle um but yeah i i agree with you like maybe it is the adults who are more of the problem yeah, and yeah. um, this this would be yeah go the on. eco committee do i think sandra touched upon it where they you know do a review mm-hmm. of the bins so we, we're really hot on our recycling yeah. in um springwood and we we do recycle um in fact um welsh government have got um something on the go at the moment where actually the more you recycle the more money you get for school which is really good um but they will go into the staff room and they will monitor the bins and and they do point out to the teachers and the the support staff often that they're the worst at recycling which is quite quite funny um and actually the children in the classrooms are doing a really good job so they get rewarded for, well, for recycling well and make sure everything is separated into, into plastic well i'll tell you what um... I'll ask Sandra first and then I'll come to you because I'm interested to know because you both mentioned this idea of the bin review. I've never heard of bin mm-hmm. review. So, um, Sandra, do you want to start with that? Yes. What is a bin review? Gosh, it is exactly like what it sounds like. Like, like an inspector <laughs> for a bin. Well, um, yeah, it literally is. Um, you, you turn it upside down and you give it a good shake and you see what comes out and then you measure it. And um, yes, that is essentially what it is. Um, we, um, we would do bin reviews um, at least once a year um, where you literally review your bin, where you take the bin and you empty it out, um, you categorise everything that's in it and um, you use that um results then to help you just to make sure is everything being separated is everything being reduced reused and recycled and to analyze what we're producing as a school and what we can be doing to to make further improvement because everybody can improve everybody has more you know steps to take along the journey um so yes it is essentially what it says on the tin um we use the results in um our re subjects to um particularly in year eight um in the looking after the environment and stewardship um part of the year eight course and then in year nine we use the same results in geography as part of our litter fieldwork investigation and then also an LLW, which um, probably would be citizenship. Um, um, we call it LLW um, in year eight as well. We would use the letter um, to try and investigate where it's going and the impact of it. So we're trying to um, 
use the data to further educate and further inform the young people to make better decisions um, in the future. Because as I say, everybody has um, more, more, more to do and everybody is along a journey. And um, it's about using that information to help us to move further along together on that journey. Um, I'm guessing, Mrs. Turner, you don't have much to add to that because no, it's pretty. I'm it's pretty much the same thing. Our pupils will go mm -hmm. and do a review of the bins in the classrooms, um, and check that mm -hmm. there's the right ah, things okay. in each bin. Um, make sure that food is going in the food recycling, um, and paper and card are in the right bin, and plastic and tins are in the right bin, and that's basically all it is. And then they give the the classes points. And if they collect a certain amount of points, they get extra play. So it's, you know, a bit of an incentive to make sure they are making the right choices. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, the children all love it. Yeah. Um, they announce it in assembly, which is really fun. So the children are all sat there, they do a drum roll, and they announce the winners in yeah. assembly. So that always goes down really well. And the caretaker is usually in the assembly with them when, when they do that. And um, so he's, you know, plays a big part of that as well. Yeah, I suppose he's got a sort of buy-in, hasn't he, to it all yeah. as well. But yeah, um, yeah, this would be a good segue. Um, I know Laura's here and hopefully can join us. Um, I don't know if admin can help Laura out because she seems to be struggling to connect in as a speaker. But, um, Laura, you do need to be on your mobile phone, um, in the Twitter app or the X app as it's now called, um, to be able to join as a speaker. Um, I'm just going to also uh, read out a lovely little message from our fantastic sponsor tonight, which is Pearson MFL. Um, so if you know a languages teacher who's interested in introducing or looking at a set of GCSEs for your students, then definitely check out edXL's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs. Um, they cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of the background ability or reason for studying. They're brand new. And they are accessible, which is a key point that they stress. Um, and they build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding and appreciation of the wider world. If you want to find out more about that, um, we did three shows hosted by one of our wonderful hosts, Darren Lester, who himself is a modern foreign languages teacher. And you can find those on the website. If you just click on the Listen Back page and just search Language Learning, and those three shows will will come up if you want to do some summer listening. Um, I might bring Harry in at this point. Um, he's been listening very patiently. One of our former hosts, Harry Waters. Harry, good evening to you. Hello, hello. Nice to hear you, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm actually sitting here in uh, in sunny Northampton, um, which is uh, not where I would usually be sitting when I was on Teachers Talk Radio. Yes, your you your normal place is in the south of Spain. You lucky lucky person. Indeed, <laughs> I, I feel delighted to be here. I'm, I've been out rain bathing quite a lot, which has been nice. Yeah, and we hate you. We hate you for that. <laughs> but anyway, um, listen, I just want to ask you because you've heard a lot there from um, both of our other guests so far. Um, is there anything you sort of picked up on there and thought, oh, that's a good idea? Or is there anything that you know of that you could sort of add into the mix based on what they oh, said? For sure. It's, it's, it's lovely to hear and it's fantastic to hear so many schools taking that initiative, you know, because the, the areas I work in is a lot of teacher training to help, you know, get sustainability and the idea of environmental sustainability into schools. But one thing I did want to look at that they mentioned was this idea of litter. Um, and 
something I've noticed in a lot of places in the UK that I've seen since I've been back is, you know, in Brighton, it was, it was, it was not too bad. In Cambridge, it wasn't too bad. But when I came back here to my hometown of the lovely Northampton, it's been absolutely revolting. You know, the streets are filled with cigarette butts, vape cases everywhere. Um, and something that's so good for, for particularly primary age students is this idea of litter picking because it gives them that empowerment that they can see the difference they're making. You know, we all know that going around and doing litter picking isn't going to solve the climate crisis, but it is, um, to coin a, maybe not the best phrase in the world, it's been referred to as a gateway drug to environmentalism. Um, you know, it, it gets you hooked on environmentalism because you are there, you can see the good that, that you're doing. Um, and it isn't the kids that do it anymore. It isn't young people. It is. It tends to be adults. It tends to be perhaps teenagers. Uh, but it is a great way to get kids started on, you know, focusing the, their attentions on this, this idea. And, and all of these wonderful ideas for, for eco-schools, for, you know, for teaching around different environmental issues that you know over laminating it isn't going to change the world it's not going to make the climate crisis worse but not laminating is going to help a change in mindset and that's really what we need to be focusing on is that change in mindset so these young people can find their voices and stand up and demand the change that needs to happen you know not Mrs. Smith not laminating anymore, that's not going to have a huge impact on the planet. But if, you know, these schools are getting together, these kids are getting together and going out and demanding change that, you know, the local area bans plastic bags or, you know, they, they ban smoking from certain areas or they put ashtrays in places to, to help people not throw their butts on the floor. Those kind of ideas are so empowering to the students and and this idea of environmentalism and finding it can be so empowering to young people yeah brilliant um sandra i want to i want to move on now with all of you but i'll start with you sandra on the issue of energy um and sort of like because of for me as a pure novice in this area the obvious thing for me is i'll turn the lights out whenever you go out of the classroom but i'm sure you can tell me much more uh, on energy how how do how do you manage that? Okay, well we again it's across the school, um. So what we do is particularly in ICT, um, we would have um in within the um the curriculum, um, the energy that's created by not turning off machines and timers, um, students actually calculate that, and um, it really helps get into their their psyche of oh gosh that's something I could prevent. Um, so it's, it then encourages them then to make sure, and they're given prompts to make sure, you know, computers are switched off um, every time. Um, you know, we're a post-primary school with over 700 students. So the computers that um, need to be switched off, you know, there's quite a lot of them. So the impact of that is quite high whenever they begin to actually calculate it themselves. We also start to look at within the job department, um, we do a whole unit on energy, um, which links into the unit that's also taught in science around the same time within the curriculum. They're both mapped together. Um, so again, the students are getting a broad perspective on energy. Um, alongside then um, within um, 
art and design. Energy is also taken up there um, with the amount of energy that's taken for clothing creation and the value of upcycling and recycling. And this um, was inspired by an artist, Jennifer Collier, um, which the art department have really um, ran with. Um, within languages, um, energy is looked at as a social issue, and they look at all the you know the terminology. Again, there's you know it's about trying to be familiar and think about um, energy um, from a you know broad range of perspectives. And again, then in home economics, um, students in year ten then look at energy efficiency when running their own home. Um, so we take energy from a broad range and at the same time, um, students in our school, um, they all create what we call our eco code. Um, so the eco code is um, like our ethos for environmental education. And yeah. um, within that, um, each year group creates a line within the code and each line then spells out the name of the school. Um, that code is renewed every other year. Um, energy always features within there um, yeah. and all of us must act together to make a difference is included within there that's then um, signed up to by every student um, every member of staff every governor and also it's sent out to parents to sign digitally as well to try and really home in on the responsibility being shared within the wider community so it's about trying to make sure that students are educated but also feel the fact that they have a part to play but not just them as part of a wider community as well, working together um, to, in order to reduce the amount of energy we use as a school, um, in order to reduce the carbon footprint, not just in school, but also in the community as well. Wow, that's well impressive. Oh, amazing. Um, Anna or Emma, can't remember which one it was. I'm just going to keep calling you Mrs. Turner, to be honest, now that I've said it. Um, <laughs> It's Emma, it's fine. <laughs> right, Emma, there you go. Emma, what, what about you for energy? Um, we're actually in the middle of a project. We've got a little group of our eco-committee called the Planet Protectors. And they've worked with some um, adults from Cardiff Commitment. And they've been looking really, really closely at our energy data. Um, so okay. They've got something called a carpet graph. And it oh. basically shows um, how much el electricity and gas... Um, is used every hour of every day and then it breaks wow. it down into the areas of the school as well so they've had about four months to kind of put some things in place um, and yeah. they started off with an assembly they shared the data there was room for improvement although we are doing quite well as a school and then they came up with some ideas of how we could you know try and reduce the amount of energy being used things like turning off charges overnight making sure that no screens are left on making sure that no lights are left on when no one's in the building just simple things like that putting the outdoor lights on timers and um, they worked again with a caretaker to make sure that happened and then they've monitored that over the i would say the last four months um, and they've worked with about seven of the schools across cardiff looking at wow. this data so they've been sharing their ideas and stealing each other's ideas as well which is great um, and in October, they're actually going to be part of a conference where they're writing speeches to try and persuade um, local businesses um, local councillors um, and the Cardiff Commitment team um, what they need to do to reduce energy usage. So it's really, really exciting. Wow. And I, so I like so what's, is that a specific, like you said something, was it a specific piece of software or was it a measuring tool? Like how do they actually measure the end um, i don't understand so, how they do that 
they um i think i think i don't know if it's just cardiff but um every school has data that they can access that shows how much energy is being used and how much co2 okay. is being produced um if you can get your hands on that data and we have managed to do that thanks to um cardiff council and Com cardiff commitment um oh your signals just dropped i think um and slightly um, you can oh, to last hello can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. There's oh, a slight gosh. drop in your signal. Hello? Yeah, there yeah, was. Um, yeah, so you can look at past data as well. So you can compare what's happening, you know, July 2023 to July 2022. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I didn't actually know that. Um, so that's 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 really cool. Um, Harry, have you got anything you want to add in there? And then I can bring Laura in, who I think's just joined us as well. Um, yeah, basically... On energy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the idea for me of um, cross curricular uh, talk, energy is something that works so well to to introduce to so many different subjects. You know, it isn't just an eco thing. You know, you can get it in maths, you can get it into science, you can get it into every single subject, and it's something everybody uses all the time with whatever they do. You know, everything we do uses energy. So focusing on that, something that Sandra mentioned about you know, the energy used to produce clothes and, you know, being able to, to raise that awareness so people don't just think it is, you know, turning off the lights or the projector mm -hmm. when they leave the room. It's, it's, it's super important to, to raise that awareness. But I'll, I'll let you hand over to Laura now. No, fantastic. Um, Laura, um, good evening to you. Hi, Tom. Turns out all I needed to do was to uh, restart my phone. <laughs> there you go. I thought, it, I thought there'd be a solution. I'm with you somewhere. now. <laughs> no worries. Um, tell us about your eco story, school eco story. Okay. Um, yes, I, I, I've been listening to everyone else speak and I just want yeah. to say how impressed I am with them. We're very much uh, quite early on in our eco schools journey. Um, well, that's interesting because, I mean, I think that's quite an interesting point to come in on in terms of, you know what are the things that you think are the biggest challenges maybe and what are the things that you're worried about what are the things that you want to try and do yeah definitely um i mean we've been doing this for about two years now we have um we've been completing the eco schools award um and and various other ones um alongside that as well but i think the main thing that we we did at the start really and i'm sure a lot of people are looking at their sort of sustainable and environmental practices at the moment and maybe wondering where to start and i think the important thing is to to really bring in um, the people in the school who are going to make a difference. So for me, I found that that was um, the school's business manager. Um, the canteen had a, had a huge stake in it um, and the site staff as well. Um, I've worked with all of them really on our, our strategy um, to sort of reach carbon neutral by 2030. Um, and they've been really like vital in, in, in sort of starting that journey. Uh, okay. But I think, um, I mean, the main thing that, you know, that we've done with eco schools, which we're obviously talking about today, is bringing in the students and, and making them feel like yeah. they have a voice. Um, I think that's really important. You know, how, eco how have you done that? What's the process on that? Um, well, eco schools do say that you have to have um, students from every year group. So we have seven year groups. So I've got um, we initially started with two reps from every year group. Um to make a, a, a committee of 14 students. Okay. It's increased slightly this year with, with a few more students that did want to join. Um, but effectively they are almost like our council who will take feedback from the general student body via the tutor group and the house system. Um, and they will feed back to us about things that they would like to do to improve the school. Um, 
and you know they're not afraid to get their hands dirty either that they they will often um support with things like um some of our site work so we've just built a a tire garden made from um donated recycled tires from our local garage um we had um sort of compost and soil delivered by our council and then we we found we sourced some um, flowers and seeds from local garden centres and the, the eco committee and some of the students that were involved in um, as eco reps and tutor groups helped to build that in the school. Um, you know, they get their hands dirty with the recycling. Uh, that's a completely student led scheme. They do it every Wednesday. Um, they really are brilliant. And, and what some of the others have said about students, you know, then they're, they're not the ones who who are sort of polluting our environment and and you know with either their sort of unsustainable behavior it's actually when we look around us in the community outside of the school and some of the adults practices I think that's what they're noticing um and it's really nice to see the next generation who are really invested in the future of um of our of our environment yeah one area that we haven't looked at yet and I'll start with you Laura on this if possible and then move to um uh, maybe Sandra and Emma and Harry after that as well um but one of the areas we haven't looked at is transport yeah, um, which I would guess is like quite a difficult one actually to to manage because it's got to be something that people can actually do, you know. So I wonder with transport, what what's your have you got a policy on that? Is that is that something in your plan? So we do, we do have some stuff in our plan. It wasn't our focus because you you only choose three things to focus on every year with the eco schools, um, but it is something we'd like to focus on next ah, year. Right. Yeah. Um, but the things that we have done so far is, is getting involved in um, walk, walk to school events, walk cycle, scoot to school. Um, and we have yeah. we have three banners now on the on the site um, as parents come into school about um, the impact of um, idling or driving their students into school um, on the environment. Um, and we've also um, reduced the number of deliveries for from suppliers as well, particularly to the canteen. Um, so in terms of travel in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big focus for us, and I'd be happy to hear what everyone else has to say on that that one. So I'm definitely taking notes. Mm. Wow, amazing, um, Sandra. Transport. Have you got anything on that that's of interest? Do you think on transport? Need to unmute yourself. Bottom left. Or maybe maybe we'll go to someone else because Sandra's still muted. Um, Emma, transport. Hello. Um, I couldn't hear anything Sandra was saying, so I, yeah, I don't don't, don't worry. I mean, it was just about um transport in, in particular. Um, uh, Laura was saying that they've done like scooter days and uh, and things like that. It's not on their top sort of priority list at the minute, but she gave some ideas that they've done. I wondered for you on on that. Yeah, if transport. I'm honest, if I'm honest, transport's probably one of the trickier ones. Um, well, I was going to say, yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. I would have thought it would be a difficult one. Yeah. Can you still hear me or not? Can anyone yeah, hear me? Hello? I can hear you. Hello, Sandra. Are you back? Is I am back. back? Sorry. Sandra, My internet back? died there, so it did. Sorry. Hello. Sorry, I've missed the last few minutes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, Sandra, I was just asking transport-wise mm-hmm. if there's anything you do in your school on transport. Yes, well, we um, in, in Northern Ireland, we have a regular transport event for schools, which is the TransLink Travel Challenge. Um, we take part in it every year um, with um, our year nine year group. Um, we, we chose year nine because year 
10 or heading options during that time and year eight um, we found have already a very busy term in term two so year nine do the transient travel challenge which is a challenge to try and change their transport um, options or choices um, over a two-week period of time so there's a two-week period where they first of all monitor how they usually travel to school they calculate the distance they've traveled so they look at maps you know calculate how far from school they live how many miles that is how much carbon they've produced and then they look at what they could have done instead. And then they take in a, a second two week period where they try to make more sustainable choices, whether it be sharing lifts, walking um, further, whether it be public transport. And then they calculate again their carbon and calculate any difference. Um, the, the Transit Travel Challenge then um, offers prizes, you know, for schools that have made the biggest reduction in carbon um, over that period of time. Um, we, have, we would do that every year um, and um, our students um, tend to have done quite well over the years. But coinciding that because it's in term two. We also make sure that within some subject areas, we're also talking about um, transport at the same time. So, for example, um, I'm just looking on my computer here. Um, food miles and the transport of food um, is covered in home economics during that period of time with year 10. Suitability of different types of transport for different groups of people is covered within tra um, travel and tourism during that time. Um, geography does an investigation in the traffic and congestion in year 8 and year 10 and then business yeah. location logistics and transport is covered in business studies so we try to well, I was say that's, real focus that's something we haven't really touched on at all this curriculum is it we haven't really talked about mm. that at all um, in terms of I'm guessing there's a ton of stuff curriculum wise that everybody's doing on this but I think it's interesting just to focus on the practical steps at the minute and that's really interesting to hear on the transport side um, what you've been doing because it sounds sounds again really epic work to be fair yeah. well um, what, we do have a wonderful um in northern ireland our head of eco skills um charlene McKeown, is a really fantastically wonderful inspirational lady who produces some really fantastic programs that um capture schools such as that um, trans um transport challenge and schools can dip in and out of the programs that eco schools in northern ireland offer um we tend to opt in to as many as possible but um, there's other programs going on out there for primary and even for nursery um, which Eco Schools Northern Ireland put out there and their leadership in Northern Ireland I, I you know we'd be lost without them Charlene's superb so she is brilliant amazing um, Emma I don't know if we've got you back um, we might let's see hello 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 again hello. transport hello. Yeah, so we have um, an active travel policy. Um, it's, really, it's really difficult because a lot of ours are really, really small and rely on their parents bringing them to school. So sometimes it means they don't have a choice how they get to school, but we can obviously educate them on how being an active traveller is much better for their bodies, it's better for their mental health. Um, yeah, so... Yeah you know it, it's difficult when they when they get older they can start making those choices about cycling and yeah. scooting and walking but it's not usually until they get to about year six so they, they don't even well yeah it might be more a secondary 
thing there possibly to sort of think about that, isn't it? I, I mean, it's. I, I think it's more about educating the adults to to try and walk to school when the weather's nice, put some reminders in the newsletter and, and things like that. But yeah. um, Harry, I want to ask you, because you live in Spain, the south of Spain, do you think they're, like, in Europe, do you think they're further ahead than the UK are on climate change, or do you think we're actually doing quite well? No, I think... I don't in, think... in educational institutions, I mean, I don't just mean in, in the wider society, although we can discuss that too, but I mean... No, no, absolutely. I, I think the UK is, is further ahead um, in terms of education. You know, this idea of an eco-school there... It, it's not something that's often spoken of in Spain. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of work at my daughter's school, which incidentally is a village school. So it's it's yeah. very easy in terms of transport to encourage people to walk. You know, they've set up new safe walking routes to school and a lot of kids have started cycling in and there's a lot of scooting and anyone who does need to drive, there's a lot of carpooling and stuff like that. So yeah. in terms of that, uh, that's mostly led by the parents. Though That's not a a school-wide or a curricular mm. thing, but it is something that's very new in the latest update to the law that's been brought in in Spain. But what I, from what I've seen and from a lot of people that I've spoken to, it's certainly more vocal in the UK. You know, there's certainly a lot more done about it. There's certainly a lot more, you know, this idea of an eco-school. It, it's, you know, you say that in Spain and, and people will look at you like you've got two heads. Um, mm. it, it, it's, it's just not a thing, even though, you know, at the moment we're going through a, People talk about a heat wave, but it's it's just a summer of over 40 degrees because that's what life is now. Um, so even though they're living it, it's not something that really seems to come to people's attention. It, it's very new on the curriculum, as you say, as we're talking, you were talking about before this whole idea of, you know, curricula. So it's very new in the law. Um, but in terms of the, the school that, that my daughter goes to and, and that I you know, work a, a awful lot with, um, you know, because my daughter goes there and she's a passionate environmentalist as well. They are, you know, they're very receptive to it. Um, but I think it's it's a rare case. It, it's not something people really care about because all, all the, the Spanish system cares about is your exam results at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've taught in Spain, so I sort of know what you mean. Um, uh well, I'll go back to Laura now for this one. But actually, I'm going to open this up to anyone because this one I, I, I may only apply to certain people or not. I don't know. Um, but it was water and sort of preserving water, valuing water, and also water within e um, ecosystems as well. So, like, um, you know, some schools have actual water habitats, don't they, that they have on site or near to site. So, Laura, I don't know whether water is something in terms of preserving water, saving water or working with water. Is there anything you've done or not, possibly? Uh, you just reminded me, actually, we do have, um, it needs revamping a bit, but we have a, a water habitat on site. It's it's like an old sort of submerged, um, almost like a bathtub. Um, okay. And it's kind of, it's in the middle of one of the, um, we've got like a square block in the school and it's got an eco garden in the middle. Um, yeah. It's been a bit neglected for the last three or four months because of um, staffing issues, but um, it's um, it's the perfect sort of habitat. We've got um, bug, bug hotels in there. We've got um, bird boxes. And then wow. we've also got that sort of water area and it, it has glass windows all the way around. So it's just really nice for the kids to be able to see it as they're walking past. Oh, that is um, cool. 
But I think um, one of the main things that we've been doing at the moment, because I mentioned that we've sort of been improving some of the gardening areas in our site. We have um, we have tubs that we keep outside where we collect rainwater and then we use that to, to water those gardens and, and the herb areas. Um, I think that's probably the main thing we're doing to preserve water at the moment. If, if we had a budget for it, the thing that I'd really like to do is to install some rainwater tanks so that we could collect rainwater from our um, from yeah. our roof. Um, but I think that's something for the future. Um, I mean, that would be super cool, wouldn't that. it, to be able to do that? But yeah, um, Sandra, anything on water? Yeah, um, we do have rainwater tanks in the um, roof of one of our teaching blocks, and it you it's used to run the toilets in the wow. staff toilets in um, just outside our staff room. Um, so it's been. It was put in by our previous caretaker. He was a real wonderful man and a genius with um, uh, his hands. And he put, devised our, our own wee system in the school and built it and put it in. Um, as well as that, we do, again, just like yourself, um, we do the, the water um, storage um, containers for rain outside. We would have a lot of students studying horticulture and they would really um, learn about the value of water and storing water because they then use that water to, you know, to water, irrigate their, their vegetation, you know, as part of their coursework that they have to grow. So it's, um, so that there, there, we do those, um, but I just, I just love the water in the roof. Um, whenever it's been, yeah. you know, dry for a while, it'll just run on the main water system. But whenever it, there's been raining and there's water in it, um, it's, it's always nice to know that the, we're, we're doing our bit there with, um, just by flushing the toilets with rainwater, um, yeah. it's very, it's very reassuring. <laughs> um, Emma, I want to ask you. Like, I'll ask you about the water thing, but I also want to ask you because you're in Cardiff. So, when it comes to water, like, obviously, you're right next to the coast. So, I wondered whether there's anything where you take the kids to the sea and all that sort of stuff and try to help animals, or is that you know, I don't know. Um, the the Welsh curriculum has changed absolutely massively, um, and this this kind of whole eco thing comes under um, science and technology, but also comes under humanities, obviously. Okay. So the the teachers work across curricula, and we start every single kind of unit of or or learning inquiry with an experience. So, as you quite rightly you said, we are near the coast, so. And we're also near quite a number of rivers. So they'll often start an inquiry by visiting a beach, maybe doing um, a litter pick at the beach. Yeah. Or they'll go to um, a Welsh water site and have a look at how water is is purified and yeah. smell it and do all those kind of things and have all the lessons with, that go along with that. Or um, they'll go and do a river study. So, But that's how they start their inquiries and then their children whatever part of that inquiry they're really interested in they'll go off and, and find out more which is really really good well, and in terms in terms of water and this isn't really a curriculum thing um myself and my caretaker have actually been looking into the amount of water that is transported unnecessarily and how much carbon that produces in terms of cleaning solutions and things and we've been looking into kind of using products to clean schools that don't mean water's being transported unnecessarily and it's really difficult you can do it for home you can buy you know tablets that you you pop in yeah. water at home that creates cleaning solutions but to do it for you know a larger organization is really really difficult so if anybody out there has got any 
you know, companies or anything that can help, you know, that's something we're really interested in doing is, you know, stopping the unnecessary transport of water. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, Harry, I don't know whether you've got anything to sort of add on, on water or, yeah, saving yeah. water. or We, we don't really have any water in Spain. Um, it doesn't rain point. very much. Um, so, yeah, it, it would be a dream if the... The government would invest in some, you know, rainwater tanks, but it, you know, it hasn't rained in months, so yeah, it's mostly yeah, just yeah, yeah. drought. So there'd be nothing to play with anyway. Um, no. Yeah, I, I wanted to sort because of, we're coming towards the end, and by the way, there's been so many amazing ideas. So thank you all massively in advance. Um, but I wanted to go around everyone and ask you if you were sort of like talking to someone who hadn't started the process of trying to make the school or the environment more eco-friendly if you hadn't started that yet at all what would your top two or three bits of i say advice it could be particular policies it could be i'd be interested as well to know what you think the biggest priority should be because it might be that some schools out there don't have the time funds or uh, whatever or staff to be able to do much so if, if you had to choose maybe one of the areas, you know, because I listed the areas earlier of biodiversity, energy, global citizenship, healthy living, litter, uh, marine, school grounds, transport, waste, water. So if you were sort of advising a school, I guess question one, what would you prioritise if you could only prioritise one or two things? And what advice would you give them? Um, I'm going to start with Sandra on this, only because Sandra's school is a is an eco um i can't remember what it was but it sounded amazing an eco go on sandra tell me what it is that's that's you're like the top you're like the creme de la creme so tell me what what do you think like the priority should be if if schools only had to choose one or two things and then also what would your advice be in general Um, if uh, if I had to choose one thing only, um, my top thing would probably be biodiversity. Mm. Um, having nature visible in the school grounds and in the school community gives students something to fall in love with and want to protect. Um, so biodiversity would be my my top yeah. priority. Um, in terms of um, what what have I learned or what um, the um, probably vision, um, it's important having that eco code, that vision, that plan that you have to define what is important and what you want to achieve. Um, build your own community um, in your area. Um, there, there's lots of sources of inspiration and opportunities. Um, there's lots of sounding boards um, out there, um, people who want to help and who want to give advice and guidance. So find those people within your own community and build yeah. your own network and lead with passion and confidence. As I said at the start, I am unashamedly passionate and that gives me um, plenty of passion to share with my young people yeah. and hopefully something that they will feel that they can belong to and want to take further with their lives, not just in school, but beyond. It's interesting what you said there, just to pick up on that, because I think it's a quite important point. Is you meant, It's sort of localising it, isn't it? Because you mentioned mm-hmm. reaching out to people either within the community or very connected to the community, which I'm guessing is pretty important yeah. because every community is going to have its own context. Absolutely. And every community will have its own specific issues. 
Mm. You know, so yeah. find find your find your community, find your network, and um, be open just to opportunities. Um, when somebody asks you, you know, can you help me with this? Say yes because these opportunities come along and they help you build your community and they help you build your your knowledge and your skill set which you can share with your young people as well so just be open and have lots of fun with it you know we we're all educators we're all um we all care passionately about our jobs um but let's let's have a bit of fun while doing it um so that we our, our fun and our enjoyment transfers to the young people and that will make them hopefully enjoy and want to continue environmental actions into their everyday lives. That's great. Um, Laura, what about you? Um, if you had to choose sort of one, and, and what I'm really getting at here is like if a school can only take a baby step, you know, um, what sort of things, because you've sort of started that process. So I'm wondering what you might suggest to them could be that baby step to start with. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'd probably say to them, you know, you can approach it in in one of two ways, really. Um, firstly, you could either sit down and work out what your biggest source of carbon uh, carbon is as an organisation, uh, and then you could work out your ways to reduce it, because um, ultimately that's going to have the biggest impact on your carbon footprint. And I know that's what some people really want to work towards, but then also you know, we do have to consider that our job is actually to educa- educate students about the environment and to uh, to infuse them uh, and to see themselves as global citizens. So I think in that sense, I would choose the, the global citizenship um, option on the eco schools and, and really work on the curriculum and the assemblies and the tutor programme competitions, ways that we can get students to feel really excited about protecting their planet. Um you know, you might like to work out sort of what your quick wins are um, around the school. Is it introducing an, a recycling scheme? Is it going plastic bottle free in the canteen? Is yeah. it um, litter picks in your local community? Um, and those can really help to build momentum um, and, and excitement about the eco work as well. So, I mean, it's really up to the organisation itself, I think. You just need someone who's passionate about it like we are to take the time to sit down and really consider what works in your context. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And and that's interesting as well, because it's all, almost that knowledge as well, isn't it, with the students, because that comes through from the curriculum, you know, it's giving them the knowledge. And then hopefully with that knowledge, they'll then sort of become more engaged or passionate or use that knowledge to do something, you know. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. Um, Emma, anything from you in terms of like, because you, you've done a lot as well. So I was wondering, like, if there's anything that you would say you know you would advise to be a priority for a school um that's just kind of starting this process and any advice in general you would give i think it depends on the context of the school but i think particularly with primary pupils it needs to be something they can see almost almost instantly like a difference that they can make um and as much biodiversity and changing the grounds and all the pollinator work that we've done is incredible and the children love it i think i would start with something that's a bit more immediate so looking at waste litter picking because if you look go to an area maybe it's in your community maybe it's your school site and the children can see what difference they've made they can take before and after pictures i think that's really really important because some of the things that we do in school particularly when we're looking at more, more of the abstract things like, you know, energy and CO2 emissions and things, the children don't always see the impact of what they're doing immediately. It takes a lot longer. Um, so for little ones, I think it is definitely those immediate things. And just like um, Sandra said, it's making it really fun, 
making it yeah. you know, into a game, maybe into a competition, like trying to do it whole school so that everybody feels involved, that it's not just one group of pupils, that everybody is part of something really important. Um, yeah, bring, and obviously bringing the curriculum into it is really important as well and doing things cross-curricularly has a, a huge impact on on pupils and the way they view the world and the way they see themselves as change makers because that's what they are I also wanted to ask you because you're a head teacher so I wanted to ask you like from a leadership perspective like it's a real challenge for you it must be an incredible challenge for you to deal with all the other all the other priorities and managed to incorporate eco as one of those priorities. So I was wondering if you had anything on that in terms of how you, like how have you managed to do what you've done um, and to sort of be able to mix that with your other whole school priorities? Well, I think as a leader, it's just being supportive of staff. Um, it's the staff that lead the eco committee, um, not me. Um, it's yeah. allowing them space, time, resources, um, so that they can have an impact and they can do the things, particularly things that have come from the pupils. So ideas that the pupils have come up with, things that they want to do. So it's, you know, ensuring that they have they have the resource to be able to do that and follow through. So there's nothing yeah. worse than you know a teacher having a brilliant idea and then leadership getting in the way. So I think it, a yeah. big, a huge element of that is trust in staff. Um, and yeah, it is difficult, but, you know, for me, I'm, you know, very passionate about, about being eco and being friendly to the environment. So I think yeah, it's a, so, bit, a bit easier because for me, it is a huge priority. Yeah. It comes naturally to you, I guess, yeah. from, from that. Um, we're going to finish with Harry on this question. So Harry, what would you, I'll read out the, the things that, because this is from a UK perspective, the eco schools, you've got biodiversity, energy, global citizenship, healthy living, litter, marine, school grounds, transport, waste, water. What are the things that you would sort of say to a school or maybe a group of teachers who are starting to embark on this eco-friendly journey? Well, I, th I think this, like, the idea of biodiversity is super important because it is something that they can see and get involved with. But but for me, uh, particularly with primary level, I think this idea of, of litter and, you know, going plastic clever and, and having these ideas and making those differences where they can see those differences and they can make those physical changes you know, in their daily lives. They can influence their parents as well. Um, so taking those steps that these are things as well that they can have support from the outside as well. It doesn't have to suddenly be, you know, your school has to do this all on their own. There are lots of schemes outside, you know, that you can ha have help. You can have this support. So you don't have to suddenly go, right, we're going to go plastic free because that's what we want to do. You know, you can think we're going to go plastic clever. Where can we get the help from? Look around. There's plenty of support from outside charities like kids against plastic and all sorts of other ways that you can get involved with those sorts of things superb um this will be a perfect opportunity for me to just give another shout out to our sponsor on the show tonight which is pearson mfl if you want to find out more about their suite of new gcse qualifications then please visit them at go.pearson.com forward slash mfl you can also have a listen back to the three shows that we've done recently with darren lester um, that have all looked at um, eco, uh, sorry, eco, no, MFL and language learning and uh, the relevance of language learning beyond the classroom. So if you're interested in those, there's actually a blog on the TT Radio website. If you click on blog, 
um, there's a blog on there with all three shows linked on it so you can uh, you can listen back uh, at your leisure to those um massive thanks to pearson um for sponsoring all teachers talk radio shows at the moment that is it from us this evening a huge thanks to laura to sandra to emma to harry and to everybody who's been listening along this will be available as a podcast sometime soon too um and keep listening to ttr we've got more shows coming up later in the week cheers everybody and good night you've been listening to teachers talk radio Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.